0: Hello everybody, I'm Phil Brandt, President and CEO of AIM Employers Association, and welcome to This Week at Work. Welcome
1: to the only show about the workplace that offers you front row seats and a microphone, bringing you practical, timely, and accurate insights so that you can more effectively lead your organization. It's Thursday, June 29th, episode 237. Today, we talk about how to level up with generational diversity. It's a multi-generational workforce. And to unlock the potential that these different perspectives can offer, it's gonna take actively understanding the diverse skills, experiences, and values of our people. We welcome to the show strategic business consultant, Tanya Zion. Tanya will bring insights that she's gained from both research and real-world situations to help you elevate your organization. Now, which generation of viewers is going to be the first to participate in the show? Tune in to find out on This Week at Work.
0: Welcome back, everybody. And this is our last show before the 4th of July. Bert, I know that's one of your favorite holidays, if not your favorite holiday. I know for sure it is mine. I love summertime. I love our Independence Day celebration and everything that our country does represent. Um, And I love the fact that you don't have to buy anyone any gifts, right? There's no pressure for the 4th of July. You just kind of show up how you are, where you're at, and have a good time i'm sure you'll be out on your boat uh this weekend don't you have a boat i do and i will be out on the boat this weekend uh i have a pool as well um so don't don't put the boat in the boat and the pool now i didn't tell you my boat might be a little air raft that you blow up and put in the pool (laughs) but i do have that Uh, i am all about summertime and water um I I don't know why I live in in Missouri and not along the coast. I absolutely love the water. Hurricanes, hurricanes, Phil. That's why you don't live on the coast. Hurricanes, that's right. And sharks. Don't forget about those. Yeah. All right. Well, we have uh, Tanya Zion back with us by popular demand. Welcome back, Tanya. How are you today?
2: Thanks, Phil. Doing great. I, too, am looking forward to some time on the water. We have that in common. So it's going to be a good weekend.
0: Yeah, it should be a great weekend, and we're happy to have Tanya with us. She's coming with us from North Carolina and does an excellent job for us, and uh, you're a fan favorite of our audience, uh, and uh, easy to understand why. If you haven't heard Tanya before, I think you'll become a fan of hers by the end of the program. All right, Bert, we got a lot going on uh, on the program today. Let's introduce our poll questions. The uh, first question we have for you is, do you have a formal... Mentorship program with your organization? If so, give us some ideas about that. That's question number one. And I really like this question. Question number two: I am and what are you? Um, this is something we really don't know about our audience, Bert. Are you a traditionalist, a baby boomer, Gen X, or millennial, Gen Zer? um uh some people say gen Z- uh generation Zion Tanya did you know there was a book written as generation Zion after your name there?
2: I didn't um that was news to me so always interesting what I learned on the show
0: yes it well that's why people tune in we keep you informed so you can more effectively run your business that's the purpose of the program. Um, And then the final, let's see, so those are the two questions we wanted to get to before we get to lawyer in the clock. Bert, are you ready? There's lots of good things to talk about as we head into the holiday week.
3: Yeah, but Phil, don't forget about your favorite, the word cloud.
0: Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yep. Forgot the word cloud. Uh, What is your favorite word uh, from your generation? That's the question I was looking for. That's a fun one. Your favorite word from your generation, I think mine is probably awesome. I say awesome all the time. And the other thing about generations, Bert, that I just realized, and you're probably in this boat because I know you're older than I am by far. Uh, however, uh, however, um, you know, as Tanya was uh, joining the program, I was preparing and I was thinking, this is like my third generational transition that I've gone through now uh, in the workplace. So you know I came in as a Gen Xer and I was on the early front of Gen Xers so we were a, a big deal hitting the workplace and uh, often thought of as slackers and so on and then we went through the millennial and now we're going through the the Gen Z transition so my third um workplace transition as it relates to uh, generational changes
3: well you and I are about the same age Phil and uh and and so I'm I'm right there with you on the generational changes in and looking at those dates on that first question that nick put up uh looks like we're going to have to add the next generation after gen z and i'm not sure what what that is uh i know my kids all fall in the gen z or uh but but not quite sure what the next one is after that
0: and to yeah I, the poll, it that. Is when you were born not what you identify as yeah <laughs> that's a that's a good point nick that we're not looking for how you identify it's just when you were born uh good point thanks nick yep Um, uh it is
2: generation alpha coming up just so you know that what our kids that's what they're coining right now
3: back to a so and what is generation alpha supposed to be tanya
2: they're hearkening back to the traditionalist um in the early baby boomers it's kind of how things always cycle around so that's what we expect to see from them
0: yeah. And it does cycle. I mean, I think when you look at the studies of generations, it does have a cycle. So that's why we have Tanya on the program. Um, Bert, you nor I are alphas. So we're just going to move on. Um, okay. So let's get to lawyer on the clock. Bert, you ready? I'm looking forward to hearing a, a little bit and particularly I want to tune into what might be going on with UPS. So lawyer, are you ready? Roll the Roll the, roll the intro, Nick.
1: All right, it's time to look into what's trending in employment law. Lawyer, you're on
3: the clock. So, the first one I want to chat about is a U.S. Supreme Court decision that came out just a few days ago. And this one is actually fairly significant and actually impacts a case that I'm currently working on. Uh, A split decision came down from the U.S. Supreme Court that allows Coinbase, one of the cryptocurrency companies, to pause a lawsuit while it appealed a dispute over sending claims to arbitration. And while that's a very narrow case, the facts of this case are narrow, it's definitely gonna have broad implication. In the case that I'm working on, uh, the, we, we filed a lawsuit, uh, I'm sorry, the union filed a lawsuit to compel arbitration uh, against, uh, to compel arbitration by the company of a dispute and we uh, opposed the the effort by the union, uh, saying that the forum that they were trying to arbitrate in was the incorrect forum. And uh, we lost the case. And then the court we took it to the court of appeals, which then said, no, you cannot stay the case while the uh, while while the appeal is pending. And uh, in this particular case, the Supreme Court says. Yes, you can stay the case. So the appellate court, the Seventh Circuit got it wrong in the case that I'm working on. And uh, so this will impact uh, employers ability to stay cases while they seek review of a lower court's decision denying uh, a motion to compel arbitration. So a significant case there. Bill, you alluded to this one. The uh, uh, UPS, the Teamsters are on the verge of going on strike.
0: Yeah, that is is, national news for sure. And I mean, gonna impact anyone listening to the program most definitely as well.
3: Yeah, it's so of course UPS, they represent uh, 330,000 truck drivers and other workers. The the Teamsters represent uh, that many UPS employees. And the president of the union uh, basically said uh, the negotiators ended talks yesterday and the union president demanded that UPS exchange its last and final offer by June 30, which by my calendar is tomorrow. Uh, the company basically, according to the unions, has attempted to move the goalposts at the 11th hour. Um, and the or uh, they said that the company is asking for concessions over health, welfare, and pensions. And according to the Teamsters president, a nationwide strike is now imminent. And this would significantly impact, Bill, as you said, virtually everyone, including business. I mean, we're just now starting to see inflation getting lower month over month. We're down to about 4.09%, which is about almost a percentage point lower than the month before. Inflation is still high. Uh, But this could really complicate supply chain problems if UPS uh, goes on strike.
0: Oh, yeah, this can create problems that will ripple really around the world when you talk about, you know, um, taking away the flexibility to deliver supply chain, Uh, whether it's business or home goods, it's going to create a problem. You know, I can't think of the last time there has been a large national strike like this. Um, I know that we've uh, averted that with some of the airline pilots um, in the airline industry recently. Um, so far, <laughs> yeah, so far, that's right. I, I guess there's two down and maybe a couple more to go. There, um, are there any? Is there a time you can remember? I mean, it's got to go back into the into the '80s, I would guess. No, not quite that far.
3: You're you're forgetting uh, a few years ago. It's probably been within the last five to eight years. Uh, when the dock workers out in California went on strike uh, over, negotiate, you know, over the contract terms. And that really did impact the supply chain uh, yeah, at that point. You're right. you'll remember that there were literally ships sitting out in the uh, uh, Pacific ocean off the coast of California. Uh, they couldn't pull in, couldn't dock and couldn't unload goods or get loaded with goods.
0: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and I think, you know, this is the importance of, you know, uh, employers and, and their work and efforts to, you know, maintain a union-free work environment um, to give, you know, unions will have that um, opportunity when they have leverage and they have that opportunity right now with leverage and wage inflation. and And this is their opportunity to, you know, get what they believe is their fair share.
3: Well, uh, I, I mentioned it before on the program when I was involved in a union organizing campaign uh, a little over a year ago, which we prevailed on, uh, the union uh, business agent flat out told me it's time for the unions to bring employers to their knees. When yeah. uh, the economy was was really disastrous and literally there were not enough workers out there for any jobs, there's still not enough workers out there for some jobs, now there's too many workers for some other jobs, but before when there weren't enough workers for any jobs and the pressure on wages was even higher than it is today,
0: literally the unions had the perspective of bring the employers to their knees. Yeah, so, um Good reasons to tune into the program. I guess we'll watch what happens with this over the next 24, 48 hours. And uh, hopefully we won't have a disruption to our our way of life here as it relates to uh, supply chain, whether it's home goods or business goods, it's going to be an important outcome for us. Yep, absolutely.
3: Two more for you really quickly, Phil. First of all, uh,
0: yesterday,
3: Senator Elizabeth Warren and Sherrod Brown uh, launched an investigation into 23 companies that appear, according to them, to have committed wage theft. They're specifically looking at Bojangles, 84 Lumber, Arby's, Sonic Drive-In, Spencer's, Weiss Markets, Pizza Hut, Domino's Pizza, uh, Combined Insurance, Jiffy Lube, Popeyes, Burger King, GNC, HR Block, Dairy Queen, Boston Market, Maine, Source Bank, Jimmy John's, Little Caesars, Crossmark, OfficeMax, and KFC. And they're calling on those companies to immediately cease what they call overtime evasion practices and answer questions regarding overtime pay. Really interesting to see senators jumping into this battle because this is normally something that the Department of Labor or private uh, plaintiff side attorneys would take on uh just really interesting kind what, of what, are saying, Bert, what
0: are they saying what are they saying that they're not paying overtime after 40 is that the is that I'm the not case? quite sure what the specific allegation is but it does
3: relate to uh practices related to overtime evasion that's what they're okay. saying that they're avoiding uh they're trying to avoid overtime so really interesting again to see Senators jumping into this battle I'll report back uh, in more detail when I find out a little bit more about it. Again, this letter just went out yesterday. And then a lighter one, easier I just want
0: to, I just one last thing. I just, as long as I heard you say Dairy Queen, and as long as it doesn't interrupt my Oreo cookie blizzard with extra Oreos, I, I'm really okay with it. And that's, that's the key thing for me. That's a almost a daily treat in the Brandt household. <laughs> Phil, you
3: maintain that figure just amazingly well with all that Dairy Queen that you appear to be consuming. Well,
0: we're only from the, the chest up here, Bert.
3: <laughs> so the last one I'll leave you with is this lighter one. Uh, as of June 27th, uh, again, by my calendar two days ago, uh, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act is in effect. Actually, I think that's that's the headline's wrong. I think it goes into effect at the end of this month. Maybe it was a couple of days ago. Regardless, uh, the PWFA, we've talked about it on the program, it requires covered employers to provide employees with reasonable accommodations related to pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions. It was a law that was signed into law by President Biden at the end of last year. And again, goes into effect either tomorrow, today, yesterday, the day before, somewhere in there. Uh, But the important piece, the reason why I'm sharing this with everyone, right now is that the EEOC, our friends over at the EEOC, updated uh, just on on the 27th, their work Know Your Rights, workplace discrimination is a legal poster uh, to include the Pregnant Workers' Fairness Act. And so everybody who's got their posters, everybody needs to be aware that those posters need to be
0: updated. The EOC released. That is it. not a problem for AIM members. We got them covered. They get their posters as long as they've signed up for their poster renewal program. Uh, they're already in the mail, Bert. Not a problem. Um,
3: so the the EOC had released uh, an updated poster in October of 2022, and so uh, this one that that's not even obviously uh, a year old, and it's already time to update this. So again. Uh, It sounds like Phil's already got your posters in the mail. I know he personally uh, is sealing those envelopes and sealing those tubes, and uh, you will get those momentarily.
0: Yep. Hey, Bert, uh, before we get off of uh, Lawyer on the Clock, I see our friend Dave is uh, back on the chat box with us here, uh, but at this time, he's not making fun of you or I. He's asking a a serious question. Uh, He's asking, could uh, the UPS... uh, strike fall into a category that would be ordered back to work by the president like the railroads i would just have to guess there's probably no way biden would do that yeah i
3: don't think he would do it number one but number two i i think dave i don't believe that the president has the authority to order a private company uh back to business uh back to work or the employees working for a private company back to business uh the railroads even though they are uh, are pro- private companies. They are in highly regulated uh, national transportation industry. Uh, and I know UPS is also in a, in a, in a transportation industry, but I, I think there's a big difference between uh, the railroads that's co- that are covered by the Railway Labor Act. Uh, airlines are also covered by the Railway Labor Act, uh, and uh, UPS is not. That is covered by the National Labor Relations Act. And I don't believe, again, that the president has the authority to, uh, to do that. Now, I wouldn't be surprised to see the administration try to jump in and help mediate uh, a dispute and try to have a little bit of a cooling off period uh, and see their administration try to get involved from that standpoint.
0: Yeah, that's good. Good insight there. I hope that helps you out there, Dave. Great question. All right. Thank you for that, Bert Lawyer on the clock, as always. We appreciate that. That's why you tune in. And now let's get on uh, to Philbert's Forum. We're going to kick off uh, our section with Tanya on generations in the workplace with a real quick video that Nick pulled down for us. Nick, go ahead and cue your video for Filbert's Forum.
1: You've just entered Filbert's Forum, where we peel the onion back and take a lighter look at the workplace. Sorry, I'm late. I was hanging out with some homies. Say less. Vibe check? Pop off.
2: I saw your stuff.
1: Why are you being sus?
2: You're the one being sus.
1: I was just trying to make some friends. Friends? No cap? On God. I heard about your body count. Bru. Broski, that was the past.
3: Why are you being cringe?
1: I'm not cringe. You're cringe. You're being cringe.
3: You trying to catch these hands? Nar. Shakes my damn head.
1: Now you're being chuggy as What's chuggy? Okay, boomer. I thought we were bussing, boo.
3: I'm unsubscribing to this trauma. Trauma? Trauma. Trauma? Our whole relationship is trauma. Period. Big yikes.
1: That hits different.
3: I want to try ethical non-monogamy.
1: Is that a supplement? Nah. Slay.
3: Slay? I can't have you living rent-free in my head no more.
1: Sheesh. Her. So when does this start? ASAP Rocky. Can I at least catch one last sneaky link?
2: Oh! I'm going to need you to take several seats. Bet. Wheels up, King.
1: Deuces, Queen.
0: All right. Uh, Tanya, I don't know if you're living rent-free in my head or what, but um, there's something going on there that I don't understand one thing they said. Um, I was just face- going to say, I what the heck did I just watch? <laughs> I
3: okay, don't
2: know.
0: Then- but Go ahead, well- Tanya
2: we all are gen x so believe it or not in that span we all fall into that but i actually fall in the oregon trail generation so if there's anybody in the audience that remembers that game technically i'm on the cusp um So I did feel like I needed some foreign subtitles um, there. And I also think that it's really an extreme example um, of what we have. But I was just on site at one of our members on Tuesday and this concept came up. They said, you know, I have these Gen Z workers and they're saying things and I have no idea what they're saying. What was really cool to me is a Gen Xer in the room said, oh man, just come talk to me. I'm raising my kids that are talking that way. So I can probably be your translator. And I thought, what a cool way of kind of what we're talking about to be able to meet people where they are and actually look for resources within our own companies to help solve some of this. So it was a really great meeting on Tuesday. And that video, again, extreme. And we want to be careful not to get too far down the stereotypes um, of the different generations, because that can actually work against us. Um, you i kind of still
0: trying to figure out what like lol means after a text and things like that i i'm way behind in when it comes to understanding that language there uh <laughs> although i will do a flashback i did get pig latin when i was younger i don't know if, if you all remember that but uh that was something yeah. that we did for Re- sure remember it but never got it never participated
2: Oh, you and my mom would get along. She absolutely hated Pig Latin. We'd all talk it, and she'd be like, stop it right now. Now my kids speak Spanish. They're both taking Spanish in high school, and so that's what they're able to do to me. So, hey, it's just we have to meet people where they are. Things change, right? So, so Tanya,
0: that's great. We have to meet them where they are. And pre-program, we were talking about, you know, cultivating a curiosity of, you know, why we function differently in the workplace. Um, And we're having some pre-show conversation. I'd like to bring that into um, our listening audience here. Talk talk to me a little bit about what you were explaining as it relates to the different ways in which we were raised, particularly Gen Z. Uh, And now that they're in the workplace, the, the expectations and differences that we have to deal with that are real.
2: Yeah, I think this impacts so many different areas. Like we were talking about posters, right? And when I'm a Gen Zer coming into the workplace, what's on my poster when I walk in is very different than an employee in 1970 when OSHA was just coming online. right? So we walk into the workplace with a different baseline expectation of what we expect our employers to provide. And so that's just one element of it. And we think about the impact of labor law, but really on a pragmatic thing that I think a lot of listeners who have had children in the education system can Relate to, you know, our Gen Zers books started being taken away from school, and very quickly those were replaced with tablets, and I'm not even talking during COVID when we sent everybody home to do school, but actually in the classroom, there are iPads out in kindergarten classes, and that traditional model of education where the teacher's in front of the room, and you do math at 10.05, and you do English at, you know, 10.45, has kind of gone by the wayside in a lot of classrooms because there's overcrowding, there's classroom management, there are these things that we've had to adapt to. And so I know when my kids were second graders, they had stations, right? And you'd bring a parent volunteer in, and there'd be six stations around the room. The teacher would be working with the reading groups, and the kids would go around to independent study to check the other things. I mentioned this um, in a workshop that I did, and somebody raised their hand and said, Oh, they don't even do that anymore. Now they just have an iPad that walks them through the different modules that they need. You know, things jump on the screen and congratulate them and give them their score. Well, okay. We take a Gen Zer who perhaps they haven't had a secondary education. They walk from school into the workforce. No wonder they're a little bit lost. And none of this is to say that we can't promote culture and we can't assimilate our new workers into our workforce. And I think Julie has an awesome point on chat about mentorship and how we can do that. But if we can understand the experience and what that's been and how it's differed, perhaps from our experience, then we're better equipped to be able to demonstrate empathy and think about how we onboard employees and really the breadth and the scope of what we need to be considering when we do.
0: You know, it's it's interesting because I get a chance to visit a lot of employers and that often involves a tour of their workplace, whether it's, you know, an office environment or manufacturing, but I see this consistently in, and, um manufacturing environments uh warehousing environments and it's um you know it's notices it's uh you know here's here's your manual on how to operate here's your quality control manual and if you think about what you just said if I've never been handed you know a big thick book and and you know had to dig into it and read and study out out of a book, when you hand me a manual, that would be as foreign to a person as it was, you know, back in the late 80s or 90s when we were teaching people like how to use a mouse, you know, like there was training on how to use a mouse because it was so foreign to some people. And I would assume that coming into the workplace, not having had You know, the experience of using the Dewey Decimo system and all the other things that you had to learn in a paper form that, you know, that wouldn't be the most effective way to bring someone up to speed quickly uh, in that sense.
2: No, absolutely, it's a great point, and I also think it goes beyond that, especially when we're talking about manufacturing or people on the shop floor. Even go back twenty years ago, if people were migrating towards the trades, there was this assumption that they had picked some of that up through life experience, right? Helping out at home, fixing a you know a garbage disposal or something like that. Well, what we have to remember about a lot of Gen Z is we're talking about dual income households where their parents' generation was exchanging time for money, right? And so they weren't fixing the garbage disposal. They were hiring someone to come in and fix the garbage disposal and the plumber isn't going to bring junior or their daughter along to say hey watch me while i fix this right right and so the frustration that a lot of our frontline managers are having that they're saying they don't know how to operate a circular saw they've never turned a wrench It's different, and we as a culture decided to place less emphasis on the trades. You know, we went into schools and told everyone a post-secondary education was the way to go, and that's what we prepared the workforce for, but we know now that was a big mistake. And so I think employers are really absorbing the blunt of that impact and having to figure out, again, how do we take people that may not have skills that we're accustomed to and create an environment that we can make them successful? And there's work to be done. Well, and I,
3: I want to mention one one thing, though, that, that adds a little bit to that, Tanya, that uh, doesn't get enough attention. About uh, 10, 12 years ago, uh, during one of the prior presidential administrations, that administration made it a priority to go after the for-profit trade schools. And while those for-profit trade schools certainly had some problems in, in as much as they were loading up people uh, with debt, Uh, federal loans that uh, those people couldn't necessarily pay off. And sometimes the associate's degrees that some of those folks were getting were not worth the paper they were written on, definitely serious problems. But basically the administration put those trade schools out of business. And uh, so so that was a conscious decision to go after those for-profit trade schools. And I think we're really seeing the effects of that these days that we don't have enough people out there in these skilled trades they're not able to go to school uh necessarily to learn the skilled trades
0: yeah Absolutely. and you know bert you're you're exactly right i have um a very dear friend of mine um who is an instructor um at a uh, at a trade school is the best way for me to say it um and the things that he he struggles with um is the most simple basic concepts of like reading a ruler, mm-hmm. how to take a measurement, you know, and, and he's got he's got, you know, 21-year-old young men and women counting, you know, one, two, three, you know, okay, three out of eight, three, eight, you know, and having to, you know, how to learn how to use tools that often we learned when we were you know, younger watching our parents or an uncle or a grandfather, and and you kind of learn these things at a very young age where this might be the first time they're using those to try and get, um, you know, to acquire the skills they're going to need to go work in a trade.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I want to know if a couch fits in my living room, I can be on Amazon and hit a button and I take a picture of my living room and it says, yes, the couch will fit. Well, I mean, we have, so we have to balance this idea of technology and we've been focusing a lot on trades and that, that sector of the workforce, but this applies in office too. You know, the other things I'm hearing from members is I walk by people's desks; they have their phones propped up on their computer. They have their headphones in, they're working on something on work and they're watching a movie or listen to, to music. And the thing we need to know about these Gen Zers is they were digital natives. I mean, they've never known life without that. And so where we look at even, um, you know, the millennials, they were two screens, right? They work on two screens and they're very comfortable with that. They're saying now that Gen Z's can work on, you know, four or five screens at a time and are competent in doing so. Now, I think the jury's still out on some of that. But even that concept to some of us would is completely foreign um, that we would be able to do that. And so I do wanna be clear that these differences do span across all roles and all jobs, but it comes back to this idea that the workforce, and we don't wanna overgeneralize, but the more that we can understand the experience they had prior to landing at our doorsteps, then we can better equip them for success. And that's where we get into expectation settings. It comes back to these basic things that every time I'm on, I talk about. What's your culture? What's your mission? What's your values? How do I know I'm successful in your organization? And what I'm just encouraging managers to do is to look at that a little bit more globally. From a whole person standpoint, what do they need to know to be successful? And some of it might sound ridiculous. Somebody the other day said, yeah, I'd let somebody go because you didn't know you couldn't sleep on the job. (laughs) <laughs> well, probably sleeping through class. And so, you know, as ridiculous as that sounds, those are some of the things that maybe we just haven't instilled that work ethic in this generation in the way we have in, in generations prior.
0: Yeah. No, I have had employees say, well, no one told me I couldn't sleep, even though it was in the handbook, but no one told them. Uh, and they're like, you know, my job was just to sit and monitor. The alarm goes off. I hear the alarm, right? I don't mm-hmm. have to look at a... At a At a dial the alarm tells me that there's a problem so i would hear the alarm and i would wake up and i mean the young person made a really good point although we still addressed it all right before we close out i want to do one fun thing bert uh, or nick can you pull up the uh, word cloud let's just take a quick look at look at that we'll post the rest of these on uh on my linkedin page uh some Fun things here. Whatever. All right. That's a good one. We all like that one. Cool. That one and groovy. Um, uh, I guess we got some um baby boomers. Uh, would that be? Uh, fall into the baby boomer time frame. MTV is a good generational. Would that be Gen uh, Gen X? Bert, any of these that you like? Are you tripping there, Bert? Or are you still with us? Good, cool and awesome. Uh or I, I still
3: use regularly totes. I'm going to have to look up that one on Urban Dictionary. I don't
0: know that one. We have to look it's that just, one up.
2: It's totally, completely. I'm 100% on Coats. your side. I totally agree. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Yeah,
0: there you we'll go. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, And
2: one other thing, I don't know if Nick has it ready, but I think I thought this was interesting. Maybe you all think it's interesting. I looked at the recruiting posters for the Army over the span of several generations, and I thought it was somewhat telling, right? We started way back with the traditionalists where we had Uncle Sam saying, we want you for the US Army. And I don't know if anybody knows, but two years ago, the recruitment posters for the US Army was literally choose your own avatar. And the way that they were recruiting people and talking about them coming into the Army was this idea that you can be a thundermaker, a force multiplier, all of these different things. And so I think it's pretty interesting. You've got one of, you know, the biggest marketing engines probably that we can point to in the nation, and you can see how we've evolved in our thinking to recruit. And so interestingly enough, they've abandoned this campaign, and they're actually going back to some previous ones. But I thought it was an interesting take on how we've maybe evolved as society.
0: Yeah, the last one I saw on uh, military recruiting was they were promoting flexibility. And I thought, how can the military promote flexibility? But I guess that's what they need to do to recruit. All right. With that, we are bringing the program to a close uh, before our 4th of July holiday break. I hope everyone has a great, safe, happy holiday. We will be on the program uh, back here on July 6th, I guess, Thursday following the holiday. We'll see you then. We'll give you an update on what's going on with UPS, but you'll probably already know that by then. Until then, we'll see you then next Thursday at 730. Bye-bye. Happy 4th
1: thank you once again for tuning in to this week at work if you enjoy the show please share it with your colleagues forward our invites share the link aimea.org forward slash this week at work or follow or subscribe wherever you get your news and entertainment like linkedin youtube spotify apple podcasts wherever everywhere you are and you can be part of the show send your questions and comments anytime to info at thisweek.work. We'll see you next week, 7.30 a.m. Central Time, when we discuss what's happening this week at work.